recorded live from Portland, Oregon. It's the Transamorous Network Podcast. Let's get it on. So, Rosa, what we will do... Sorry. I keep saying that. It's because of her screen name shows Rosa. I know her name oh. is Sylvia, but damn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so confusing. It's like Sorry. we've got two guests. What the hell? Well, so... Okay, let me just center myself. Yes, you need to take a breath. <laughs> Poor Terry's had a little bit of a shaky morning. Not shaky, it was thrilling. It was thrilling, but it was it was It was yeah, it just uh-huh. it just what? it shook you off it your balance, off so it was balance. shaky. Okay. <laughs> I want to know. I uh, I ride my bike to the office and this morning um, I had plenty of time to get here and I uh, got a flat tire on my bike, so I had to change the flat and I still got here on time. Yes, which was oh. good. Which was good. So you still came flustered. I was flustered, yes, because I didn't want Remy hanging out in the cold. Oh, Remy's a tough girl. Thank Remy you. can handle herself, right? <laughs> like you use me as an excuse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like they say, sugar melts in rain, but shit That's just gets true. salty. <laughs> <laughs> now watch it. <laughs> oh sure. Oh lord. Okay, so. Um, so Shannon, Shannon is not with us today. I mean, she's with us, but she's actually not physically here. Where are you? I'm in good old Oklahoma. Yeehaw. Yeehaw is right. Actually, your, your shirt matches where she's at. You That's right. That. I'm wearing plaid she today. Country plaid wow. this morning. What are you doing in Oki? Oh, I'm down here for business, um, and I'm here for a while. So for the next few podcasts, I'll be broadcasting live from Oklahoma. Nice. <laughs> it doesn't look like you're staying at a Motel 6. No, I'm not. It's a pretty nice place. It looks like it, yeah. And you're down on business? Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Um, it's been a it's been an interesting morning. It's been an interesting week. Uh, this week we got our, I think it was this week, our first sale. Yes, it, the, was. yes. it was. Yes! First, first sale of the book. Of the book. So that's exciting. And a couple more followers on the website. And Ooh, so nice. we're going in the right direction, which is awesome. Yep, 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 yep. So today we have with us um, a wonderful person who is going to talk about a broad spectrum of lovely things. Uh, Sylvia, welcome. Thank you, Perry. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. You sound fantastic. Yes. Thanks. So do you. So do all of you. Welcome. Aw, shucks. So, Sylvia, have you visited the website at all? Yes, I have. Okay, so you have a context for what this conversation is going to be about, right? I think so. I think so, too. And Great. we're more than happy to um, talk about the things you want to talk about because they're really right up right up our alley. Mm-hmm. Great. A little awkward silence is good. Exactly right. So... So, Sylvia, one of the things you had told me in your little bio is that you, and I might get this wrong, but um, you are less inclined to be interested in men because of the misogyny that shows up in uh, a, a cis men, I guess. Because Traditional, of the mis- quote unquote, cis males, what yeah. I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, let's, let's start there, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So, so what has been your experience? Uh, well, actually, let's back Can we up. we ask her how she... Yeah. Uh, I, 
how do you identify and how would you describe yourself to uh, us and our listeners? Because you are also uh, remote from us. Yeah. So you so, are also um, in another location. Yeah. So where yeah, are you? What I, is that? I'm Hi. calling from the other Portland. Oh, um, wow. Me? Yeah. Um, I grew up just a little bit north of here. And um, in terms of my gender identity, I identify as a... Well, I identify as a trans woman, Mm -hmm. and I also identify um, as a femme, Mm -hmm. which is an important part of my gender identity, and I also identify as a gender non-conforming person, and it's also that words have just been evolving as I've been evolving, so... Here, here. um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And... Yeah, I mean, in terms of my sexuality, I identify as queer and pansexual, and yeah, I think one of my biggest turnoffs is misogyny, and I would say that that's kind of my kind of basic concept of my sexual attraction is uh, I find misogyny a big turnoff, and everything else I'm pretty much open to uh, exploring where it goes. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. How how did you—it seems to me that this is a— this is going to be a great conversation. I can already tell. Mm-hmm. It, it, so, so I I try to avoid all these labels because it's just so... It, every time I try to put a label on me, it it's like I expand beyond that. And so it's hard to... Please jump well, in. no, absolutely. Well, you know, here at the Transdermist Network, we hate labels. Yeah, exactly. Right? We're well, not, we don't, we're we don't not, hate them. Well, okay, you know, my words are always what, okay. I, what they are. It's okay. We just... Uh, but we're not fans of we're labels. We're not fans of labels, You know, yeah. because labels are what society want us to have. And yeah. so I think our part of our goal is making sure that the, the labels we do decide to use are ones that are conveying our own personal true feelings. Right. And, and it's, so it's, it's challenging for me personally to hear someone use the labels you've used, Sylvia, because you, it's not a problem. I'm just saying it's challenging for me personally because you occur to me as someone who's so much more powerful than any of those labels you put on yourself and so much more expansive. I mean, even when you talk, you're, the energy I get from you is like, I mean, not to be too woo-woo here, but it's like, wow, this person's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so the, the, the feeling that I have when I put label, when I try to, to label my gender or my sexuality, it just feels like I'm putting on a shirt that's too small. Yeah. 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 Well, because they become limiting, but only if you allow them to be limiting. All right. You got a label it. Is, a label is, takes you as far as you want it to take you or, or overtake you. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it's like, okay, yes, I'm, I identify as a trans woman. But that doesn't mean I still don't consider myself a two-spirit. That I don't consider myself, uh, you know, just fabulous. You are fabulous. <laughs> you know, I'm a goddess. So, you are a goddess. I mean, I'm over here on my knees. <laughs> Not that way. Not, not that way. <laughs> not that way. <laughs> well, you're you're speaking too clearly for I, that to be true. <laughs> so, <laughs> just saying, Sylvia. What do you think? What do you think about? What do you think about this? Um, I something I say if I if I'm in a in a sporting mood is if I if I'm in a group where we're going around saying our pronouns, I will. I've said a few times, um, I mean, usually I just say, you know, I use she pronouns and, uh, in my, my sort of subculture, it's, it's become common now, even amongst people who aren't primarily trans to have a pronoun go around. And <laughs> I, I will sometimes say, 
you know, there, there, there is no pronoun that translates into this human language, you know, into English. And I'm expansive and I'm infinite and I'm embodiment of the, you know, the divine whatever. But um, you can use she pending, uh, you know our ability to telepathically communicate or whatever, something like that. Oh, I love, I love, I love that shit. Her, I love her. Her. So you said subculture. <laughs> so can I ask and tap into that if you're willing to share? You said subculture. Yeah. What is your considered subculture? Like, where, where, who are your people? Who's your chosen family? Yeah, I mean, so I... I, um... I didn't come out as trans till I was 20... Seven, which is which is about five years ago, and um, I, for a while, I was really involved. In, I guess for a while, I've been involved in one sort of social justice activism or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so a kind of mix of like young radical queers and uh, you know like anarchists and punks and I was also a farmer for a while so like sustainable agriculture kind of like back to the land local food type people uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, Portland yeah, Oregon I, people exactly <laughs> what was that? Portland, Portland Oregon, Oregon people, people. that's yeah, what that's... I was thinking <laughs> <laughs> right no that's awesome awesome thank you for sharing that yeah yeah so so what do you what are you doing now with your? I mean, I want to get back to the misogyny thing, but I, I, I'd, I'd yeah. like to learn more about you as a person because you're just so awesome sounding. So, what, what do you do? What do you do now? Well, you know, it's kind of um, been evolving. You know, like a lot does in life. Um, I spent a number of years after I came out, it, it was kind of happened at the same time where I had an awakening in terms of my gender and my sexuality and my sort of understanding of my, my role in the world. Mm-hmm. And so that involved being part of um, environmental justice, direct action, and organizing, community organizing to protect um water and land and um indigenous sovereignty um and so she's a warrior woman i love her i know right i'll say um yeah so i i there there's kind of two major streams to the river i've been flowing down which which is one is which is warrior and the other one which is healer and um that's awesome and so I, I've been studying herbalism. I, I actually just started a herbal support group or study group with other trans people here in Maine, um, figuring out how to take care of each other and uh, support each other's mental and physical health um, in relationship with like the land around us. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. Uh, just just last weekend, I was part of organizing an annual event in Maine called the Youth Activism Gathering, which is super inspiring. Um, young people from 12 to, you know, 20 something getting together and talking about what um, what they care about. And um, I don't know, th- those are some some things that I'm involved in and gardening, herbalism, community organizing and um, that's that's that forms a big part of my life. Yeah, I love it that you didn't tell us what you do for work when I ask that question. <laughs> right. I, I well, love it's it. Funny, you know, I'm a, it's like uh, I don't actually do. 
I don't often get that much paid work and um, I live pretty simply. Um, I guess it's been a way of initially adjusting to it feeling pretty stressful to be out in the sort of standard employment world as I'm like working through my um, outward gender transition. And, um, but, but um, yeah, I, I, I do a little bit of, I, I've, part of a house cleaning cooperative here in Portland, which is exciting. Um, I'm sorry, start- Sylvia. Every time you say Portland, I think you're talking about here. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so does. weird. It sounds very similar yeah. to this Portland. So, I'll, say, uh, I'll, I'll say Maine. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you know, it's, I, I remember hearing that. I think the Portland in Oregon was named after the Portland in Maine. It was, um, yes. Wow. Oh. So there you go. There you <laughs> it's go. more yeah. than just a name. So, it was actually a coin flip between the founders of the city. They coin flipped over Boston and Portland, and Portland won the coin flip. Wow. Short story. Wow. Yeah, I love you. I love that you know that, Shannon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave it to a non-Oregonian know, native right? to know those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Sylvia, I'd love to hear about the awakening experience you had um, that had you go st- this maybe a change of trajectory for you? What what happened back then? Well, um... And how did that affect your love life? Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I found um, that that experience tends to affect the love life in ways that you just never thought of because you just didn't think about that until you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um... It's funny, like five years into this, or, or really six years into this process of unfolding into whatever my gender is now, um, I look back at my my younger self and my life in a way that makes me kind of smile and laugh that I considered myself a straight, cisgendered guy for so long. Um, not, and um, I... By my mid-twenties, the the community that I was primarily part of, my friends, were mostly all queer women, and um, I had this, about 2010, I had this winter time. I, I, I lost my job, and so I had a little bit of unemployment, and I was... I realized that I didn't have a lot of close friends who were um, men, and I really struggled feeling comfortable in, well, definitely with traditional masculinity, patriarchy, misogyny, this sort of hardness, and I was like, okay, so I don't really get along with very masculine people that well, but I guess I'm a guy and what's up with that? So I actually, I remember I, I, I was actually reading this morning the book that I started out with back then, which is The Will to Change by Bell Hooks uh, about men, masculinity, and love. And I began this inquiry about masculinity and feminism. And, um, you know, it, it took a while before I got to the place where I realized, oh, I, I'm not a boy. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and that was precipitated by... Um, going to a, a wedding with my then partner who was a cisgendered woman um, in this really conservative area in Colorado, like where focus on the family began. And she, um, she was like, she really didn't want me to dance the way I usually dance. And that I, I didn't exactly understand why that hurt so much, but that, that sort of 
realization now that, that the sense of being gender policed or like in my terms of my expression, um, a few weeks later, I, I was just sitting with that and this thing popped out of nowhere and I, it did, wasn't really connected to an awareness of myself uh, of possibly being a trans person, but it was this kind of growing knowing or fear that I wasn't a boy and I didn't know what that meant. Um, how did you, yeah. how did you dance that she was uncomfortable with? <laughs> well, I think just, uh, freely. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember being in middle school and just like looking at the way the boys danced in this sort of, um, very like straight lines back and forward, you know, like thrusting motions. And I was like really bored by that. And so I never have danced like that, but I also know those were the boys who were like dancing with the girls. And so it was this, this beginning of trying to shape the way I acted and looked, uh, to be desirable as a man. And, uh, I don't know. I've just like thought about that. It's interesting. Um, that there's a there's an interesting area to explore here, and that is the discomfort that your then partner felt about you expressing a part of yourself that was authentic. What do you What do you think her discomfort was about? And and do you, looking back on that situation, have any sense of um, appreciation for where she was? Who's that giggling? Who is that giggling? It's 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 Sylvia. Yeah, you know, I've I actually saw her this fall again and we had a really sweet time talking. Um I mean it it, it really hurt. Um I she she had dated uh, other women before she met me and so I the idea that that me exploring who I was or coming to this deeper truth about who I was, which felt really liberating that 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 would feel threatening to her was really hard to take. And I, I know that part of it is how shitty her parents were to her when she came out as queer to them uh, with her like first girlfriend. And, um, I think, I mean, it's still, it's still like the thing that remains that's hard between us is this feeling that I, if she was in a relationship with me, like our, for her parents, we could never, we just could never, it wasn't like an acceptable relationship. And um, I think she, when she met me, I think there was some sense of relief that she hadn't found someone who she liked, who was like of a gender that was, would be accepted by her family and larger society. And then when it turned out not to be the case, it was like threatening (laughs) for for her, for her. Yeah. Because her parents, did they, they, did they know anything other than what they saw with their eyeballs and heard with their ears about you? No. And I, I, I'm not sure that they know that I'm trans yet. I don't know how much she talks to them about me anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was so, okay. So she was uh, so this living is, authentically well, and she's not in a place to live her authentic. Self. Well, this so is the thing, sad. right? That's and sad. so there's, there's some opportunity yeah. to, to, um, s- step outside of the experience that someone else is having in response to who we're being when we're being authentic rather than taking 
that response and making it personal about us. If this is a really good expl- uh, example of how a person was reacting from no, I'm not trying to if offend her or, or criticize her, but she was reacting from her own stories mm-hmm. about her own life. Right. Not about Sylvia at all. No, and, not even a little bit. Yes, and but often we, we have partners or family members or even strangers having these reactions to us as, you know, L- I want to say LGBT, but that acronym has gotten so long now it's freaking hard to say. You know what I'm saying? Queer, the queer community, these... these queer this, alphabet. Yes. Start a new term. Please. The queer alphabet. Lord, please. Yeah. But, but these, these people who are, who are presumably not of the community have these reactions about us, and then we take those reactions and make them personal about us, and... I argue that probably 99% of the time, it has nothing to do with us. So why are we taking it personal? Yeah. I, I, I think it's a really important question. It and is. one of my own answers to that, or ways that I've come to understand why I did take it so personal was the structure that's set up in our society about um, just sort of heteronormative monogamous relationships being the most kind of the pinnacle of what it means to be loved. And um, I also had recently moved to that town and I didn't have a lot of friends. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a resilient community to support me. And so I, I, you know, putting so many eggs in that basket in that one relationship, um, and especially particularly about gender and having a sexual relationship with someone. Um, I mean, I think that's what makes sex so powerful. It's about uh, being so vulnerable and what also would make it so devastating. You, you can be so touched in a, in a, in a powerful, moving, beautiful way. And there can also be so much harm that's that can happen in that space. At least that's my experience. And um, having someone who I look to for, for affirmation, I guess because I was told that I, I needed someone outside myself to, to know myself as loved, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's what was really hard about being kind of like sexually rejected and then um, kind of by, by my like romantic monogamous partner. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, so, okay. So now we can get to the M word, um, misogyny for those of you who yeah. are paying attention. Um, okay, so <laughs> Shannon, you still with us? Yes, I'm still okay, here. Okay. So, uh, it's, it's sad not having you in the studio, girl. I know. Yeah. It's not as much fun Miss this you. way. I know. Miss you. Okay. So, so, okay. So, so the misogyny turns you off, Sylvia, the misogyny of men. The misogyny M&M. of society. Is it society or is it just men? Well, misogyny sucks no matter where it comes from. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's just learning that in a patriarchy, misogyny is just kind of in the air. And unless we do hard work to uproot it, it's kind of it's hard not to just play out the dynamics that what's feminine and female and woman is less than what is masculine male and men. And, um, yeah, I mean, I experience misogyny from people of all genders as I think probably most people do even unwittingly, you know, I, I think so. So, so the, the interesting, there's a lot to explore here for our listeners. I think there's a, 
and I, this could be just my story, and as a result of my story, I see more of this than not. And that is um, where, uh, like, as you have described it, Sylvia, and I might get this wrong, so Remy, kick my ass if I get it wrong. Promise. Uh, okay. <laughs> I love you so much. Um, when, when, oh, y'all are so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> when um, I hear so often that when a person m- makes their transition they begin trying to date men when a, when a male to female transgender person transitions they they try to date men but the the responses that they get from the men they're attracting and i was i used those those words very particularly yeah. um tend it seems to make these people choose other um types of people to see because they can't tolerate the type of people they're attracting so rather than focusing on what their beliefs about men are beliefs that are probably formed as a result of past experiences with the men they were attracting they decide to try and change the type of person they're seeing rather than dealing with the story that they have about who men are because not all men are misogynist no and they're not but you're looking at it from you are looking at it from your perspective, mm-hmm. okay? Because, mm-hmm. um, like my perspective, as you well know, was very similar to that line of, of of things. But yes, and it was my story, and it was where I was, and it was what I was telling myself about uh, men and partners and love and relationships and all of the things. Um, you know, that was my story. But you're looking at it. From someone who's rewriting their story. Yeah. And many, uh, I think, you know, that, that's a good word. Many yeah, trans yeah. people do, especially as they're rewriting their story into transition, haven't focused or looked at or thought about that part. Love. You don't consider what love and relationships are going to mean when you begin and get into your transition. And at first, many people, I think, at least personally... You're not really worried about that at first because you're worried about you. And then you get to a place where you're comfortable with you. And so you start thinking about, well, who was going to love me Mm -hmm. other than me? Mm -hmm. And then that's when you start being open to that category. And then that's where you're, you know, maybe not ready for the story that's being written or that's already there. And you don't know how to stop it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I I agree, Remy. I think part of the answer to that question is who is going to love me other than me is nobody until you love you right Mm -hmm. so self-worth and self-value comes before other people valuing you and validating you and and loving you and and the the challenge that i see in the world and again this is from someone who's rewriting their own story is is you're absolutely right shannon is it's that if 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 we could and this is part of what the trans amorous network is about right is if we can re or if we as individuals and collective as a community can reorient the priority of our desire for love our experience of life can be miraculously transformed if for example instead of asking the question who else is going to love me but me say to saying to ourselves i'm going to love myself because i know i am lovable and i'm choosing to love myself right then the people that you start interacting with won't be those douchebags it'll be people right. who can affirm who you are but you have to remember that in the moment and in that situation when you're that person attracting those douchebags and scumbags and all the things that those people tend to be pigs <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, when you're in that moment, that's not how you see it. Right. You're seeing
seeing yourself becoming the, the better you, right? But you're, you're still not rewriting the story about the love that you want. You know what I mean? You're still thinking in the older terms. Yeah. yeah, and we're also just telling a little bit of the wrong story to ourselves. You know, we see ourselves as the victim rather than as the chooser. Yeah, so. yeah, and and the and the, the this, if I may, as a as a male who's attracted to trans people, the sad part of that, and again, this is my story, but the sad part of it is there are a lot of men out there like me who, well, they're not like me because they don't understand who they are yet, but they're trying to get to this place, mm-hmm. and they're. I understand why they're not getting a fair shot because they're acting like dicks because they're in their own version of a transition and trying to accept who they are. And so they act out from there. And there are a lot of trans women or trans people who act as assholes too as they're trying to deal with their own transition, right? Well, right. Some people, you know, some people are animals that are going to attack to defend themselves. And some are going to coward to, you know, and so you can either... You know, we're talking like the whole power chakra concept and, and being on either end of that spectrum because, you know, your powers from from being completely uh, enslaved, entrapped, powerless to being a dictator, slave owner, and, and you know, nothing but power, you know, uh, just this horrible concept. And you have to find that middle zone that is often a range in and, itself. And, right, and so in the process, and I understand this is, it is a process and it is a, and, and everybody's going through some form of transition, yet in what, what I see potentially happening is um, transamorous men aren't getting the opportunity uh, or may not be getting the opportunity to have interactions with the objects of, I, I'm not, I don't mean objectifying, but the objects mm-hmm. of their love because the the people who they would want to love are turning their backs on them by by labeling them all as misogynist dicks. Right, but then those men are going to start labeling trans in their own way as spiteful this or whatever. Exactly. You know? so, yeah, and that's the cycle that has to break. But yes. again, it starts with you as an individual. It does. And you know, and it become and 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 the most important thing is being able to realize that your perspective on the world and yourself is the most important thing because that's what it all boils down to. That's right. You know, but it it people are getting there. Yeah. But it's 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 a just now starting to happen thing. Yeah. Well, Perry, just from from the perspective of the transamorous man, and them having these transamor these trans women turn their back on them, it isn't the transamorous man responsible himself for for that situation that he's choosing to put himself into. Yeah, there, ab- absolutely, yeah. there, there's this yeah, there's the story that they're telling themselves that they're acting from that's causing them to encounter. Or have those ex- types, those of, types people. Of, of people who've chosen to be lesbians or what? Now, now I, I, I want to be careful with the word I just said. I'm saying chosen as a result of having negative experiences in their what is, not choosing like you can choose your your. Right. Gender, I don't have know? any other option because it's either going to be really horrible this way or yes. it can be okay this way. Yes. And so, so yeah, you're right, Shan. And, and that's and that's the, um, the prime reason for the Transamorous Network is to get these, these men to realize that, well, first of all, to realize who they are and the process they're going through in becoming more of who they are, and then to realize um, how who they're being is is not only affecting the type of people that they're meeting, but it's affecting the people they're meeting, particularly the trans woman who's feeling like they're being, who's feeling like they're being um, objectified or minimized as a human being, or no, they're being 
victimized in physical violence. The average person doesn't recognize that. They're not awakened to that part of perspective. They're not they're they're not awakened to that part yet, or they're not ready to see that part, or they're not ready to uh, you know realize that. Yeah, you are creating this situation. Right. And that is part right. of the reason why the Trans Amorous Network exists. We don't exist. Realize that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so um, to bring Sylvia back in this conversation. Sorry, yes. hi Sylvia. We've, hi, just, we've just hijacked this conversation. Got a little passion. We did. So Sylvia. <laughs> so Sylvia, what do you? So, so you see where we're coming from here with regard to this misogyny situation. Yeah, I <laughs> I mean, I really am interested in this conversation. It's it's a way of thinking about it that I haven't come, like, encountered before, and that's partly what intrigued me about talking with you all. And I, I guess just one, one thing I just want to, maybe just contribute, or something that I thought about when you were all discussing is... Um, so in terms of social justice organizing, uh, learning about the difference between prejudice and oppression, like the difference between racial prejudice, like if, um, or racism is, is that it's prejudice plus power. And, um, I've, I've been involved in organizing, um, so I'm, I'm white, my parents are European immigrants, settlers, and um, working with other white people um, to undo, or to, to work against racism. And I think something learning from the people of color who have written about white people's relationship to social justice and racism is this idea that like, like the ultimate goal is to reduce the oppression of people of color and, or in terms of like racial justice. And I think centering the people who are oppressed by that system is really important. And I think that like for me the the project of trans liberation or you know working to undo transphobia and misogyny and the violence that takes like that plays out on the bodies of trans people mm-hmm. and women and in in terms of like specifically the the system of homophobia and um misogyny and transphobia um I, I think like that, that feels really important to me. And, and, and I, it, it, because it's like men men are blowing up the spot, you know, like they're like the, the rampant misogyny that, that is out there in our society that men play the, the real people who get harmed by that, the, the, the primary people that got harmed by that are, are feminine people and women. And, I I, he, I I think it is important that like kind men are like written off because of what so many men do, but the primary victims of that are not men; it's women. And so, just for me, keeping that in mind, that who gets harmed, it's 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 not equal in any way, you know? Yeah, and and so so we're we're not trying to say it's equal. Um, in fact, the 
the transamorous network does not have a stake in the causes that you're passionate about. Our stake is, it's really simple. Do you want to be joyful and live a life of joy where all your desires are being fulfilled, or do you not want that? <laughs> right. <laughs> and and if, you, if you want that, that is... It, it, I was going to say it's available to you, but the, the fact is it's, it's, always, all, it's all, always already being available to you. You just don't know it. And so... Well, those, all those causes are essentially within our, our concepts, though, because as a person <clears throat> is rewriting their story, they should hopefully be rewriting those old thought processes, right? If they're, if they're getting to this point with us... Right, then they should be looking at those things already too. Well, that's right, and and the the thing is, we we don't we don't have a dog in that in those we don't have dogs in those fights because if you as an individual, so it's all about the individual. If you if if you want to be joyful and have all your desires, here's what you can do. And when you do that, you won't you won't face, and this is guaranteed. You won't face the kind of things. That, that I'm not talking to you, I'm not talking to you directly, Sylvia. But I'm going to say something oh, yeah. that sounds like it. You 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 don't you won't have to face the kinds of problems that Sylvia is fighting against. Well, and that's what I mean is yeah. that under like, within the depths of what we're talking about is all of those. Yes, things. those things will transform. Will all of those things and more? Because yes. When you're living and 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 creating your reality that you live in, you know. You're changing all of those. Yes, stories. yes, and and by virtue, and the interesting thing about this whole thing, or at least editing them. Well, yeah, well said. <laughs> but and the really, the really interesting and powerful thing about it is when each individual um, reclaims their authentic power in the sense that they're creating the reality. It has a ripple effect in everybody else's reality, uh, and so right. that's why the transamorous network is focusing on um, the men because it's the men, like you said, Sylvia, it's the men that are primarily creating all of this. And if we can get, not if we can, because we're gonna, as we get men more in touch with who they are beyond their masculinity identity, mm-hmm. then they will shift. And as they shift, their reality shifts. And as their reality shifts, everything else shifts. All right. As you do what's right for you, it's doing right for everybody else. Exactly. And I've said that to my, you know, my clients for years, yeah. you know, is that if you do what's right for you in that situation, if you leave that person or break up with this person or leave that job, you're in, you're essentially in the greater dynamic of things doing what's right for everybody else involved. Yeah. yeah. Because if you're there miserable, it's just going to create that continuous negative ripple. Yeah. yeah. So. Now the, the room, the room yeah. here is that Sylvia can continue to fight against what she's passionate Absolutely. against to fight for. Yeah. And, right. and if that brings her joy, fantastic. And, and at the same time, you know, we're going to see these transitions occur where, um, I was going to use the word healing, but there's no healing necessary. It's where where humanity is going to come, not even come back together because it's not a part. It's just going to it's just going to become become better. aware. Yes, it's going to become better, and so um, that's that's where we're coming from, Sylvia. Well, no, I mean if those are her, if she you know feels strong about those, I say that she should continue those absolutely things, you know, because it's going to contribute to the the changing the ripple within everybody else you know and and it that her method and, and way of going about things just might change that person and see into seeing something new yes just by her being her and living her authentic self yes. and creating her 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 greatest reality 
The the only thing that I would su- suggest is if if Sylvia, if you're doing what you're doing and you're doing it from a standpoint of um, hatred and disgust and negativity of men and misogyny, there's the potential for you being so much more powerful to see those things as in in a more positive light. So that so that not so that. Not because the things are positive, but because it makes it makes you more powerful because you're coming from a place of joy and happiness as opposed to anger and and attacking. Come from a certain or different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just just to plug the book really quick, um, Perry, quote the book the the name of the book again. I don't want to mess it up. Yeah, there's there's the man's guide to finding your transgender partner, and there's yeah. the, the trans woman's guide to finding your ideal partner. Two, so two after books. after reading the man's guide to finding your transgender partner, I, I realized that the techniques laid out in this book apply to so many more aspects of your life. Do you yes, life? yes, now, yes, now exactly. Finding your trans or your, your trans partner, and, and so I think this book, if you're struggling with with anything, with any what you consider to be an outside negative influence, this book can help you wipe that entire slate clear and start looking at life in a completely different way, in a powerful way, and as Perry says, in a joyful way. Yes. I completely agree. When, when when Perry asked me to edit the book, I was amazed. It was a life-changing experience for me. I thought I was just going to, like, you know, fix words and give a suggestion here or there. And no, I mean, it changed everything. And it's, you know, within, it's what, how long, how many months has it been since you asked me to read it? Maybe close to a year? Yeah. Maybe close to yeah. a year ago. Yeah. And within this year, since then... Things are just speeding up and everything is falling into place yeah. and, and I love the way things are, are going, yeah. you know? I'm I'm so happy. And and just one more quick, if you don't have the book, first of all, get it. But first right. go ahead and go to the website, transamorousnetwork.com, and take a look at one of the blog posts that Perry put up, How to Disappear Bigots and Ignorance. It, it's kind of a, a really brief excerpt on the keys laid out in the book. And so yeah. take a read. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every thanks to Remy, uh, she declared that every person who's a guest on the podcast gets a copy of the book. So Sylvia, you'll get a copy of the book. Wasn't quite a declaration, but smart boy. <laughs> are you still? Are you still? And it looks like Sylvia just dropped. Can we call oh her back? no! Let's. Oh, she, oh there she, she comes again. Sylvia. Hi, I just got kicked off for a second. That was weird. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I'm glad you're back. We were going on without you, not knowing that you weren't there. <laughs> well, I, th- I think I was only gone for maybe 30 seconds. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, wow, I would like so to... So in case you didn't hear, as a guest on our show, you will be getting a copy of The Men's Guide to Finding Your Trans Partner. There, there's, a, there's a trans woman's guide as well, and it's not ready yet, so um, we'll just get you a copy of that too when it's ready. Yeah. Oh, oh, she's gone again. We lost her again. But just for all our listeners, and while while Sibia calls back in, I, I I think that it will be very it's a very powerful tool for whatever you're dealing with in your life that's keeping you for joy yeah. from joy. It's it, it it applies to everything. Yeah. Everything it really does. Yeah. Hi again. Hi. I'm sorry. I I realize I. 
I guess if, if I just go to another window on my phone, I was trying to look up a quote that I wanted to, t- to share, but um, I guess I shouldn't do that because my phone then cuts me off. Oh, okay. That's okay. Cause I mean, if you don't like what I'm saying, Sylvia, you can say something. You know? <laughs> 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 just we're like, all about civil discourse here. <laughs> <laughs> um well we're we're actually although we're about civil discourse we're actually out of time oh yeah, yeah. it's that time. never enough time there never. Isn't, but that's what keeps it popping um so <laughs> sylvia i'd love to have you back on the show would you be willing to do that yeah, it's been really interesting and thought-provoking and fun. I'd love Don't to. You... I'd love to know what you think about the book after you get a chance to read it. Yes, read that book. I think, I think you, like Shannon and I, will be able to apply this instantly and, and will almost immediately begin to see the changes that, that can happen. Cool, that sounds great. Yeah, or not. It's up to you. It's all your choices, but I think she'll be fabulous and she's going to be able to utilize the tools that, you know, you've shared with us and that. Thank you. That are lined up within the manual. Thanks. So, um, thank you so much, Sylvia. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I can feel lots of relation there. It's great. Uh, I know. It feels like you're a sister of ours. (laughs) Right? Sylvia, you're an absolute (laughs) rock star. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. Yeah. Thanks. Me too. It was really fun to, like, get to start meeting you all. Oh, get to start. I I like like it. I love See, she chooses her words very fabulously. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you uh, to the listeners. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Um, And we will see you um, let's see. Who are we talking to? I'm going to look and see if my device is... No, it's not. Forget it. We'll see you next week, or hear you next week, we'll, or talk to you next we'll week. We'll chit-chat next week. In other words, we'll just say goodbye for now. Bye! 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 You've been listening to the Transamorous Network Podcast. Transamorous Network Podcast is a broadcast property of the Transamorous Network. Find us online at transamorousnetwork.com, transamorousnetwork.tumblr.com, and on YouTube, Transamorous Network. Thanks for listening.